Uh, well, Mosaic, it's good to be together this morning on this uh, cold, snowy Nebraska morning. Whew, y'all warned me about this stuff when we moved in, but oh my goodness, crazy, crazy. Uh, it's good to be together in this space. Uh, welcome, Super Bowl Sunday is here. Any Patriots or Eagles fans in the house? Nobody, all right. <laughs> me neither. What's the big deal, right? What's the big deal? Uh, anyways, well, hey, we hope you have fun today. Uh, you know, yeah, the Super Bowl, it's kind of that, you know, it's kind of that dramatic gesture that America makes every year, you know? Look at how big we are in this big, huge event, and I don't know, we all eat horrible food and wonder why we did that on Monday morning, and why did we gather? And it just makes it so difficult, you know? Why do we do that kind of stuff? Uh, anyways, all those dramatic gestures that we're used to, um, you know, which is kind of funny, because really, life is really built in just kind of the just the small, regular things that happen throughout our lives each and every week. Uh, you know, like coming and showing up on a Sunday morning when it's cold and snowy out uh, with a bunch of people that, yeah, you see often, and they're a special bunch, but no one here is really all that famous, you know? But you come together, and you gather together, and you drink coffee, and you sing some songs, and then you got to sit through and listen to a guy like me speak. And, but yet in those small things, like, I don't know, God shows up, and he does big things in the midst of it. So uh, it's really exciting. Sharing good news with one another. We hope you got to know your neighbor a little bit just by sharing a little piece of good news. Um, Our world desperately needs good news these days. Desperately needs good news. We're going to be talking about uh, being a people proclaiming mysterious good news to our world. Mysterious good news. Um, Before we dive into that, um, you know, anytime a group of us gather like this... um, Some of us in here this morning, we're at a place where we feel like we're at the end of ourselves, right? You've been stretched this week. You've had a series of events that have taken place, and you're just like, I'm I'm done. I'm at the end of myself. I have nothing left to give. Um, Frankly, like, I I just don't even want to love people anymore, especially that person. You're just, you're at the end of yourself. You're tired. You're wore out. Uh, For some of us, maybe um, you know that something needs to end in your life. You know that something needs to come to an end. Because if if that attitude or if that practice or if that behavior continues to be a part of your life, um, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt other people and you're not going to live into your full humanity. But it's so hard to let that thing end because you depend on that thing. That thing somehow gets you through. And and so you know it needs to end because you know it's hurting you and hurting others. But you just can't let it end. Um, And then for some of us in here, an ending has come to you this week. And you're like, I didn't ask for this ending. Um, Something was just beginning, and and now it's ended. It's like, I I didn't want this to end. So endings are are always before us, whether we we want them, whether we know that they need to happen or not, whether they do happen. And so this morning, whether whether it's just you're at the end of yourself, or you know there's something in your life that needs to end, or maybe an ending has met you, would you just hold that before you right now? Whatever it is, just name it and speak it to yourself. Name it and speak it to yourself. And then let's allow these words of Jesus to sit with us. Um, Jesus said, whoever wishes to save his life 
will lose it. So, so you can try to not like move forward in that ending. And if you're trying to hold on to whatever it is that you want to hold on to rather than being at that ending, um, Jesus, in a sense, is saying, like, be careful because there could be something about you that's going to be lost if you're unwilling to keep moving forward. And then he continues, but whoever, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so as we, as we kind of, as difficult as it is, learn to enter into that ending, admitting that we're at the end of ourselves and just something needs to change, um, or just like being willing to step into saying, I, I need to end this, this attitude, this pattern, this behavior, whatever it is. Um, Jesus meets us in that place, and, and this is the mysterious good news, that in, in endings is where Jesus does, does his best work, and new beginnings take shape and form. See, that's, that's the mysterious good news of Jesus. And, and when I use the word mysterious, when we use the word kind of mysterious good news, it's not good news that's like a puzzle to be solved. It's not like this special knowledge that, that you know, only a few have. But this mysterious good news is something that can only be experienced. It can only be experienced as you go through it. And it's painful. It's brutal. It's difficult to come to the end of yourself. Or to be willing to step into an ending, an ending of an attitude, of a behavior, of some practice that's in your life. Or to just be willing to sit with an ending that has come to you and say, Jesus, I'll trust somehow that something is going to come from this. Um, We've been talking about being future people. People engaging in practices that allow us to um, tend to God's future that is here with us now. And so we, we have this kind of long-range view of things as God's people. Yesterday I was watching this uh, BBC documentary film called Earth. Um, and it was, uh, what was it, one day, something, I don't know, one day. And it followed, it followed the sun for one day. It was amazing. If, if you're losing a sense of wonder and awe in life, um, just rent this documentary. Um, and in the midst of it, it was showing these um, animals that were uh, in Africa, and there was these zebras that were struggling crossing this raging river some, some, from some rains that had happened. And um, in the midst of it, the narrator, Robert Redford, it doesn't get any better than that, Robert Redford narrating, um, and he says, you know, there's an African proverb. Uh, it says, if you, want to, if you want to go quickly, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I was like, oh, stop the documentary right now. Like, pff, mind blown. Let me just sit with that for a minute. You know, if you want to go quickly, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And, and as God's people, that's what we're doing. We're, we're going far, right? And we're saying this future that God has. And hey, for all we know, we could still be the early church, right? There could be a lot of time before us, before um, that promise of Jesus coming back actually takes place. There could be a long time before us. And so we believe that this future that God has is still a long way off, but yet it has come close to us, and we're tending it now. And we're people, we're going far, but we're going together. We're going together. So being people proclaiming mysterious good news, um, 
There's a mystery to life. Even when you understand the logic of what's going on, there's a mystery to life because, um, you know, you can, you can understand the biology of how a baby is born. Um, but then all of a sudden, like, when you, when you meet that little one, um, all of the logic and science of that, all of the biology of that, it, it, can't, it can't help you understand why you feel this sense of connection. Right? It can't do that. Um, all of the physics behind the sound of a song, um, it can't explain why when that song comes on, it moves you to tears. Or why when that song comes on, even if you don't dance, when that song comes on, you will kind of tap your foot a little bit, right? And maybe if the moment is right, you'll even get up and move a little bit. Um, it, it, it can't explain that. There's a mystery behind that. There's a hum, there's a depth to the universe, a mystery to the universe. And this morning, we want to kind of discover a little bit more together of what that mysterious good news is, that hum, that depth to the universe. Noises annoy a person like me. How many people in here, you drive in your car and you're like, especially if it's a newer car, and you're like, what's that noise, right? And everyone else is like, what, what, what noise? And you're like, shh. That noise. And everyone's like, what? what are you talking about? That noise. You know, you can hear it. You know it's there. Um, and so I hope that all of us this morning, we kind of wake up to this sense like, there's this mysterious good news that kind of undergirds all of our experiences, um, that kind of is, is kind of woven through all the tapestry of our lives. And together we can discover it and say, what's that noise? I hear it. I hear it. Let's, let's kind of grab onto that noise, that mysterious, that good news that's there. Uh, N.T. Wright, um, a scholarly theologian, but yet who can connect with uh, any of us regardless of where we are, we are in life. He writes these words, Life is full of mystery. The deepest, richest, and most complex theories that science can ever come up with will only serve to highlight the fact that there is still a depth of mystery which goes way beyond it all. One of the defining characteristics of the early church's movement was their ability to proclaim good news to the world. Now, they had a term for it. They called it the gospel. Um, and so when we hear the gospel, we tend to think of, right, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Well before Jesus came on the scene, gospel good news language was used in everyday life. Um, and back in the empires that were around when Jesus was on the scene, and even well before Jesus arrived on the scene, uh, a gospel message would be proclaimed every time an empire would move forward and expand its territory. Every time an empire would go forward and experience a victory. Every time something good would happen. And so kind of a messenger would come to the territories of that, of that empire and say, we have a gospel message for you. We have good news, right? We've defeated this enemy. We've expanded in this direction. We've experienced this victory. Things are moving forward as we want them to move forward. But then when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus kind of begins to proclaim a different kind of gospel, a different kind of good news, right? Jesus, when Jesus talked about moving forward and really experiencing life, he really talked about, like, emptying yourself, 
being willing to kind of even maybe enter what feels like defeat. Um, Jesus kind of redefines what good news is. And so then for Jesus' followers, as they go out and they begin to proclaim this mysterious good news, that actually good news gospel message looks very different than how we understand it to be. His followers go out and they begin to explain this in mysterious ways. And one of those followers is the Apostle Paul. And Paul, at one point in time, he goes to this ancient city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was kind of the center of it all, of that part of the world. Corinth was like, was like the New York City. You know, it was the place to be, the hotbed of action. It's where the entertainment was. It's where the education was. It's where all the movers and shakers were. It's where those who were actually moving forward in life, things were going their way. And did anyone in Corinth, when Paul shows up, and, and Paul begins to talk about Jesus in what happened to Jesus in this ancient Middle Eastern city of Jerusalem, out on a hillside, outside of the city. I mean, did anyone in Corinth really think that good news would come from some ancient hillside, some crucifixion hillside, out in this rebellious Middle Eastern city? Did anyone in Corinth really think that that's ultimately where good news comes from? Of course not. Do any of us think that really good news, the mysterious good news of Jesus, comes from the fringes of our lives that look like a crucifixion hillside right now? It's kind of an ugly scene where there's been loss, where there's an ending, or we know an ending needs to happen. No, we don't think that. But yet, this is the mysterious good news of Jesus. And this is the opportunity that we have as God's people, tending God's future now to be people who proclaim this kind of good news over each other. That, hey, whatever is happening there in that area of your life, in that ending, there's some sort of beginning and again, it's this, it's this mystery, and it's not a mystery that we solve like a puzzle. Um, it's not a secret. It's only something that we experience as we're willing to walk through it and go through it, and we have the opportunity to do that together. Jesus redefines good news. So imagine, before we open up to 1 Corinthians and, and listen to the Apostle Paul, imagine um, giving an important speech uh, on the great and the good, um, and you begin to speak about some event that happened in your life from, from the past or maybe the recent past or even it's happening right now, um, that sounds really crazy and it's kind of ugly and it's hurtful and it's painful, but you know that it contains the secret to everything. Like you know it contains the secret to everything. Because Mosaic, each day, each day we are invited to... Uh, we're invited to place our identity in and believe that, that good news is found in certain things. Um, our careers, right? Good news is found in our careers. Advancement, moving forward, things happening for us. Um, good news is found in our economic success, right? We're making more money this year than we made last year. Things are working for us in the market. Um, we're led to believe that this is where good news comes from. Um, our bodies, right? 
man, my body is so much better this year than it was last year, right? Check out this physique, huh? I mean, we're seriously, like every image, every image that's laid before us, like we're being told over and over and over again, this is where good news is found. Um, or good news is found in, in your possessions and how many of them you can accumulate and how many of them you can use and you can and enjoy and how many of them you can consume. Uh, our good news is found in the success of our children, right? I mean, if you're a parent, like that, that's where good news is found, you know, when we can see our children succeed and move forward. Good news is found um, maybe in our own self-expression because ultimately that's what life is all about, being able to express myself exactly how I want. And so when I can do that, good news. And if anybody gets in my way from keeping me expressing myself as I want, oh, that's not good news, that's bad news. So we're told this is where good news really comes from. Um, and I just, I just want us to think about these things because chances are right now a lot of us um, we're experiencing some bad news in one of those areas. The career isn't quite playing out how we thought it would. Uh, economic success is, is, um, is not coming around real well. Um, our bodies get older. Um, as someone reminded me this morning, I'm looking at you, you know who you are. <laughs> and uh, they start to fall apart. They don't work like they used to. Um, we have no possessions. There are very few of them. We don't have any money to buy any possessions. There's no consuming on our part right now. Or you know what? Things with our kids just, it's not all that glamorous. Or you know what? I'm trying to express myself in a way that I want to express myself, but people aren't playing along with that. Um, there's this mysterious sense that all of those things are not really the foundation of our lives. Because here's why. Have you ever noticed when those things begin to crumble, when those things come to their end, or maybe you bring them to their end because you realize I'm chasing after these things, um, but it's actually causing me to be less human. It's actually bringing hurt to myself and others. When those things end or when we, we realize we need to bring them to our end, that is when those things collapse and when those things fall apart, that actually that's when we discover what life really is all about. That's when we discover where life is really found. So with that in mind, um, let's listen to these words of the Apostle Paul as he's in the city of Corinth. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So here's Paul giving this um, kind of public speech saying, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Um, maybe in your Bibles you might have a little footnote right there because after all the Bible wasn't written to us in English. And so kind of a, a more direct way of reading that would be um, when I came to you, I did, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you God's mystery as I proclaim to you God's mystery. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So here's, here's God's mystery that Paul is pointing us to. God's mystery is there's this Jesus, God in the flesh, and him crucified. Now, crucifixion at, at this time and this day and age was not a pleasant thing to talk about. 
It'd be like walking into a really nice dinner party today, and you walk into the dinner party, and you're like, hey, did anybody see that rat eating the dead dog outside on the way in? Everybody's like, whoa, you know, like, stop. Um, I mean, th- this is what, th- this is the, this is the enormity of what Paul is doing, okay? And we, we have to let this settle in. Because in this ancient world, to talk about crucifixion as being like the, the mystery of God, this, this is absurd. This is absurd, but Paul wants us to understand this, this is the level of the absurdity of God's mystery. But if we're willing to go into it, something lies there. Something lies there. Verse 3, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So let's just pause here for a minute. Um, In in the history of the church, as the church has wrestled with this this proclamation of, of God's mysterious good news ultimately beginning in the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, this tragic ending, this tragic event. Um, they began to develop this fancy term, all right? So let's just put on our, our kind of like theological student hats for a minute. Can we do that, huh? Can we do that? Okay. And, and throughout the church, there's a, there's a name given to this. The name is, is the Paschal Mystery. The Paschal Mystery. The word, the word Paschal, it kind of, it's a comes from a Greek word, pascha, um, which is derived from an Aramaic word, pasha, which is derived from a Hebrew word, pesah, which means to pass over. It talks about that time when the angel of the Lord passed over um, in Egypt, and he would pass over the houses that had the blood of the lamb on the doors, and so the firstborn would be spared, and this ultimately led to the liberation of God's people. The Pharaoh finally had said to, to the Israelites, go, go, you can go from here, you know, and so they, their great liberation happens. So there's this, this paschal mystery that becomes the, the new gospel of the day, the new good news. And the paschal mystery is summarized in this way. In fact, in a lot of churches that gather all over the world, um, they'll recite these words each and every day, um, each and every Sunday when they gather together. The words are simply this, Christ has died. First and foremost, Christ has died. The chaos, the sin, the violence of the world, the tragedy of it all, the ending of endings. God in Christ has fully entered into it. God is no stranger to it. God is willing to enter into the endings that we face, whether it's an an, an ending of being at the end of ourselves right now, whether it's the, the ending of a behavior or an attitude or a pattern that, we know, that we, we know needs to come to an end in our life and we're, it's painful to let it go because we just don't want to. It's gotten us through for so long, but we know it's time. Or maybe that ending that has come to us that we don't want. Like God in Christ has entered into every aspect of those endings. The chaos, the tragedy, the violence, the sin, the brokenness, the darkness, the despair of it all. Jesus fully entered into it. Christ has died. The first statement of the Paschal mystery. The second statement is this. Christ is risen. Oh, the worst thing is never the last thing. In fact, that ending that ending that hurts so much, that ending that we're afraid of, 
That's actually the new beginning. Christ is risen. Something new will come. And, and this, was, this was the different aspect of all the other crucifixions of the day. Because this, crucifixions had happened all the time. Jesus was just another guy crucified. But yet what was different about this ending is Jesus rose again. Christ is risen. So this new beginning is, is here. And then the last statement of the Paschal mystery is this. Christ will come again. All things will be made new. So let's do this. Let's do this, Mosaic, okay? Just as a way of letting this settle in. Let's say it together, all right? We're going to do this. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's let this settle into us. Ready? Here we go. Christ has died, all right? Secondly, Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Well done. The Paschal mystery. There you have it. There is a cosmic reality that includes me and you, but it also goes well beyond me and you. And we're called to enter into this reality that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And this fabric of death, of loss, of resurrection is ingrained all throughout the world around us. And we're called to enter into it with our lives. That's why Jesus said, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, because you and I are joined with Christ, right? As God's children, we have this union with Jesus, and we're called to enter in to this kind of death, loss, but resurrection, new beginning, everything being made new. And every time we proclaim this mystery to one another, to the world around us, we paint a picture of the new world created by Christ. We paint this picture and we hold up and say, can you see it? Can you see this new picture? That actually the mysterious good news of God is actually found in going into loss, going, entering in, into the endings so that new beginnings can come. And mysteriously, God is somehow working through that fabric rearranging everything, bringing renewal to everything, and we get to be a part of it. So what does this mean for us, guys? Um, There's been times in my life where I have been utterly hopeless, and I'm sure you feel this way too, um, where I have been caught in everything going wrong, where I felt completely powerless. Maybe you're at that point where you're just being destroyed by circumstances right now, and pieces of you just feel like they're, they're falling apart. But yet in that, somehow I've experienced God's work in Christ holding all of that together. And maybe you've experienced that too, and that's good news that we get to share with one another, that in the midst of all of that, God in Christ is still holding it all together. Jesus is Lord over that. And through all of that, he's still creating a new future through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So how do we cultivate this together? How do we cultivate this future of this mysterious good news with Jesus? Um, Here's some simple practices for us. First, we allow Jesus' mysterious good news to be proclaimed over us. That in his death, that in loss, in endings, in his entering into that, that does not have the final say. We just let that be proclaimed over us. And it paints a new picture for us. It presents a brand new reality for us, Mosaic. 
we allow that mysterious good news to be proclaimed over us each and every week. And it's just kind of this habitual kind of rhythmic pattern that we get into. But if we're willing to get into this kind of rhythmic pattern of allowing this mysterious good news to be proclaimed over us, it shapes us. It shapes us. It begins to paint a new future for us. Secondly, we we practice replacing our calculation of missteps with childlike trust. And what do I mean by that? We practice replacing our calculation of missteps with childlike trust. Um, You get to the end of yourself and you're like, man, what have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? Um, I've blown the, I, I messed this up somehow. Or it's like, oh, I feel like this ending is coming close. Like, what do I do to preserve it? What do I, what do, I do to, to like, keep from this ending from coming? I don't want it to come. How can I hold this together? Because you know what? This, this practice, this attitude that needs to die in my life, at the same time, I need it to survive, right? I need it to survive, whatever it is, because I can't live without this. Even though I know it's killing me, I can't live without it. And, and we calculate all of these ways that we can hold it together. But instead, or, or we calculate all these ways from having it fall apart, but instead we can, we can just stop the calculation of all of the missteps, and we can enter into that ending with this childlike trust that, Jesus, you're going to do something through this. You're going to do something through this, and so I'm going to enter into it believing something new will come. Third, we allow ourselves to be decentered. Um, and this is incredibly painful. We allow ourselves to be decentered. When, when we remove ourselves from the center of all things, and when, when we allow ourselves to enter into an ending, um, chances are through that, life is going to come somehow to others around us. I remember 10 years ago, my mom had just retired. My mom had just retired. She was super excited to be able to travel and see time with the grandkids because they were spread out all over. And um, right around the time of her retirement, she was um, diagnosed with um, an advanced form of breast cancer. And um, it was very quick, very quick after that. And there was no time to enjoy those grandkids. All I can say is that through that process, I, I watched her wrestle with that. And as she kind of removed herself, I don't know what it was, this glorious way of removing herself from the center and not allowing herself to be the focus there. Like, life, even through all of the grief and everything else, I'm a different person. Like, she built something in me as I watched her decenter herself from that process. And, and I, I experience new ways of life through watching her in that ending. And, and I, I say that with all fear and weakness and trembling. But yet it's true. It's true. Like somehow life came to, to me through her death. And I'm, I still wrestle with that. But this is, this is the mysterious good news of Jesus, that even in our endings, Jesus somehow can bring life and new beginnings to that. We allow ourselves to be centered, and therefore we discover a new centering. 
we discover a new centering. And instead of believing that somehow good news is found in our career success, our economic status, our self-expression, the success of our kids, whatever it is, we discover that there's actually a, a more firm ground beneath those things, that even as those things tend to sometimes crumble and we pay less attention to them, there's a more certain, sure ground to stand on. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's the life that Jesus was talking about. If you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you'll actually find it. Um, another way to cultivate this future of mysterious good news with Jesus, we, we practice a gentle presence with one another. Oh, how our world needs a gentle presence right now. Life happens. People are hurting. Chaos and tragedy is all around. People desperately are receiving bad news in all kinds of forms. We need to practice a gentle presence with one another because there's nothing more annoying than having someone come up to you. If, if gentle presence hasn't been practiced first, like the last thing we want is Mosaic being a church that like just steps into situations and, hey, I have some mysterious good news for you in the midst of your suffering. Please. No, that's that like we don't we don't proclaim this mysterious good news until we actually have practiced a real gentle presence with one another. Because as we practice a gentle presence with one another, that's where people are maybe willing to go a little bit deeper. Wrestle with things at a whole new level. Um, and then it's at that point that we actually proclaim the good news, the mysterious good news of Jesus as we live our stories. Um, and this, this mysterious good news, it's not something that can be debated or argued, right? It's not a rational argument. Um, and it's not a puzzle to be solved. Um, it's only something that can be um, accepted or rejected, and it's okay. It's only something that can be accepted or rejected that at the end of ourselves life can be found. That at the end of that, that practice or that habit or that attitude in your life that you know is, is hurting you and hurting others, if you're willing to bring it to an end, life is found there. That that ending that has come to you in some type of way, that, that if we're willing to, in a sense, um, just say, okay, I'll... I'll hold his hand for a little while, that somehow Jesus meets us in that place. Um, I'm someone who struggles with, with anxiety a lot, um, and I've heard some helpful things even in the midst of my anxiety. People have said, you know, and, and I feel like I'm at the end of myself sometimes in the midst of that anxiety, and people have said, you know, one healthy practice is just, just kind of like, like a friend who's just kind of there with you, because you can try to fight it and you can try to push it away, and then you just spiral and get more and more out of control, right? Um, but if you just kind of say, okay, I'm just going to let you hang out with me here for a little while. I'll just hold your hand. We'll walk together, whatever. Anxiety, you need to be here right now? Okay, let's take this walk together. Um, but like in that place, but like in that place when I'm just willing to, to reach that ending, like something new begins to develop. And it, it takes time. It's a practice. It's a practice. But Mosaic, we get to be people who... Um, we get to proclaim mysterious good news to each other. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again.
it's like a, if you look at a piece of wood, you know, and you see the grain kind of runs one way, that's the grain of the universe, and we're called to enter into it. That's the Paschal mystery. That's the way that our world works. It's, it's loss, it's death, it's darkness, it's despair. Christ enters into it. We being joined with Christ, we enter into it. But Christ is risen over that. Ultimately, he has the power over it. He has the final say over it. And Christ is risen, and Christ will come again, and we too will rise with Christ. The worst thing is never the last thing. So this morning as we come to the tables, as we begin to wrap up, uh, being people of the future, people proclaiming the mysterious good news of Jesus and his future, as you come to the table this morning, um, maybe just come and, and just acknowledge to Jesus, I'm at the end of myself. In whatever situation, I'm at the end. Um, and let him meet you in that place. Or maybe you know there's an ending that you need to step into in your life. Bring that ending to the table. Jesus, give me the strength, give me the resolve to, to just enter into this ending because this practice is hurting me and others. This attitude is hurting me and others. This behavior, whatever it is. Or maybe that ending that has met you in an unexpected way, bring it to the table and somehow let Jesus minister to you there. Um, and together, together we'll go far. Together we'll go far. Alone we can go quickly to those little short-term goals that we often place in front of ourselves, right? Career success, economic success, seeing our children succeed. We can, we can try to rush and push through, but we're, just, we're going against the grain of the universe when we do that. Expressing myself in the way that I want. Everybody get out of the way. Like we just, we're going against the grain of the universe, Um, So let's go with the grain. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you that together, together we go far. We go far into the future, the future that you are creating and the future that you've even brought near to us now. Jesus, allow us to be a people who are willing to embrace and enter into mysterious good news, uh, that we would be people of hope even in the midst of despair. Uh, We thank you for your love, your goodness, your presence with us now. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, Mosaic, as we go from this place, uh, let let every warm embrace that you engage in with someone this week, let it, let it be a hallelujah. Every good beverage that you share in community, every delightful bit of food that you put on your palate and community. Let it be a hallelujah because we're people who, um, man, we, we've experienced a mysterious good news. And uh, not that it's an easy answer to life, but I tell you, life is found when we're willing to embrace that mysterious good news that looks so different than the good news of our world. And uh, until that time, go out in community, all right? Love one another. Love your neighbors. Get to know somebody this week. Be a gentle presence. And we hope to see you next Sunday, Mosaic. Have a good one.